Section 40 of Humorous Readings and Recitations. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Humorous Readings and Recitations. Edited by Leopold Wagner. Section 40 seaside lodgings by percy reeve oh said georgina honeybee one afternoon just before good friday wouldn't it be nice to go away for easter now it so happened that the notion was by no means displeasing to mr honeybee he longed for a change the thought of sea breezes enchanted him he felt worried with work and yarned to he him away somewhere without leaving his address behind him so it fell out that almost for the first time in his married existence he agreed to his wife's proposition without demur and long before a week was over he never regretted anything so much in all his life with husband and wife of one mind for a wonder the preliminaries were speedily arranged Swinelee on sea was selected as their destination in less time than it takes to tell georgina was bustling about the house giving party instructions to the servants as to what they were to do during her absence one would have thought she was going away for a year at least fanny mrs honeybee's maid if you please was packing up her mistress's luggage while john was being abused by his master for having no more idea than a child of how to fill a portmanteau everybody was hot and flurried and the hall door bell rang four times before it received the attention to which it was accustomed honeybee stood in his shirt-sleeves and in his dressing-room while his perspiring and nervous man endeavoured to put boots on the top of clean shirts georgina flitted about her bedroom saying yes thank you if you'll put in my tea-gown yes thank you now the linen yes thank you no i shouldn't lay the sponge-bag on top of my handkerchief case yes thank you now the braided dress and sundry pretty babble of that kind at length everything was ready a four-wheeled cab was called and mr honeybee georgina and fanny the maid were soon driving across london to the railway station their tickets got the trio proceeded without adventure to swine lee where when she emerged from the slightly inferior class in which she had travelled fanny remarked to her mistress this don't seem half a bad sort of place mum honeybee was beaming his face seemed to say ah i tell you when i do take it into my head to go out for a holiday with my wife and her maid i go to the right place and i have things done properly poor man he little knew swinelee is fortunately not a large place or its death rate would have more influence on the mortality statistics but it is quite large enough to be unpleasant and to make those who have once visited 
it swear they will never do so again honeybee had heard it was cheap from a gentleman friend and georgina had gathered from a lady acquaintance that it was quiet and respectable hence the praiseworthy unanimity which had characterized their selection of this spot for the enjoyment of an easter holiday they had meant to put up at the marine hotel but when they reached that modest edifice they found that all the rooms were engaged excepting a couple of dog holes somewhere near the roof which from their description our party did not care to inspect honeybee was however directed to some lodgings which sounded as if they might suit and with a crack of the whip and a curse from the flyman who had conveyed them thus far the party started off on a fresh track when they reached Constad villa for it was hither they were referred mr honeybee opened fire as follows upon the landlady who opened the door we come from the marine hotel can we have a large bedroom a small bedroom a dressing-room and a sitting-room yes replied the landlady somewhat reflectively as if she felt inclined to add but what do you mean by such impertinence i am at loss to inquire good rejoined honeybee will you have our luggage sent up as soon as may be and we should like dinner pretty soon as we have not had much lunch come inside please said the landlady grandly to the trio in general then elbowing fanny out of the way she said to mrs honeybee particularly would you like to see your room thank you very much returned georgina i should then the newly made friends walked upstairs together leaving honeybee and fanny to get the luggage up and to fight the flyman mercifully a loafer turned up and volunteered to carry the boxes mr honeybee only paid the flyman three times his fare but escaped without loss of blood it is true the driver thought proper to curse him to the nethermost depth of hell but what are you to do in a place like swinely where you might as well look for the pope as for a policeman at last the baggage was stowed in the different rooms indicated by the landlady fanny could not help smiling when the loafer set down honeybee's portmanteau with a plump on her bed and georgina could not help saying oh when fanny's box was hauled into her room but these little mistakes were soon rectified and the loafer being evidently one of nature's noblemen withdrew without further parley when he had received all the loose silver there was in the house the landlady had not any change now then said honeybee when the door was fairly shut when can we have dinner and of what will it consist dinner repeated the landlady as if recalling by an effort the meaning of a word once familiar have you not dined not to-day replied honeybee justly but we do not want much anything will do how about a fried sole and a roast chicken it was now seven o'clock and the landlady verified the fact by reference to a silver watch which she plucked with a jerk from her waistband shops are all closed now 
she said, as it seemed with some relief, I might get you a steak or a couple of chops. If you will add bread and butter, the use of cruets, and perchance some cheese or jam, suggested Honeybee in the most caressing tones, while his wife endeavoured vainly to prevent him treading upon what she knew was volcanic ground, I'm sure we could manage for to-night. Well, you'll have to, replied the landlady, in a surly voice, and then she rang the bell in the room, which was to be the honeybee's dining, drawing, and smoking-room for a week. To this summons a most horrible maid responded, as to her were consigned Georgina and her spouse. The landlady never was seen again until she came eventually to present the bill, but her voice was frequently heard. Honeybee's good nature by this time was giving out, but he controlled himself. "'Will you,' said he, "'give us some food ready as soon as you can. We would like a beefsteak. Will half-past seven be too early?' "'No, sir,' replied the maid in a far-off voice, and she left the room. "'Now,' said Honeybee, "'Georgina, my dearest, you must be tired. Come upstairs and change your dress. Fanny will get you hot water and see to you.' I will just wash my hands and then take a short stroll. Come along. When they reached the bedroom they found Fanny in a great undertaking. Having unpacked Georgina's trunk and littered the floor with dresses and parcels, she was about to arrange the different articles in the chest of drawers, when she found them all locked up. This is absurd, said Honeybee, and he rang the bell. After a very long time the horrible maid appeared, and when asked why all the drawers were locked, replied, with a wild-eyed expression of face, that she supposed Mrs. Things were there, desired to ask Mrs. to remove them, or provide other accommodation for her tenants. The wild-eyed one remarked that she doesn't do it. Georgina, always trying to soothe troubled waters, observed, "'Never mind, we shall get straight to-morrow somehow. I am so tired, it does not matter for to-night. Only pack what I absolutely want. Fanny, and you, dear, to her husband, go and have a nice stroll, but be back by half-past seven, as I am famishing.' So enjoined, Honeybee kissed his wife and withdrew. A cursory inspection of the contents of his portmanteau soon convinced him that John had omitted to put in a good many useful articles, and as Mr. Honeybee made a hasty toilet, he was pained to observe that he had brought with him an odd coat and waistcoat. Even this might have been borne, if the bottle containing his boot varnish had not broken over his shirts, and with a heavy heart he sallied forth into the town to buy a toothbrush. Having made his purchase, and also ordered some wine, he returned to the lodgings, where he found his wife waiting in the sitting-room, warming her feet, while the maid laid the table. About five minutes to eight dinner was served. It consisted of a beefsteak that was raw, except in those parts which had been burnt to a cinder, some potatoes which were very black under the eyes, and extremely hard were also served, and some of last week's bread, 
together with some pale butterine, completed the repast. The honeybees endeavored to eat a few mouthfuls, washed down with cold and not particularly pure water. Although the wine merchant had assured Honeybee that the rare vintage he had ordered would be there before he was, the young man did not arrive with the bottles until the next morning. "'Perhaps the night is too inclement for him to venture out,' said Honeybee, "'or perhaps he reflects that we shall drink coffee with our dinner and only require wine at breakfast-time.' After dinner the Honeybees had a game of cribbage but they did not enjoy it, and soon Georgina went up to bed. Honeybee left her with Fanny, and then came downstairs again to smoke. He rang the bell and asked the maid if he could have a bottle of soda-water. "'The public houses is all closed now,' said she, as if repeating a lesson. "'Then some plain water, please,' returned Honeybee dolefully. "'You'll find some in your bedroom.' was the reply. With a heavy heart, Honeybee went upstairs and took a long and strong drink of brandy from his flask, diluted from the bottle on his washstand. A fearful night it was. The miserable couple passed it in fear and trembling. Outside the wind howled and made the ill-fitting windows rattle continuously. Within the blinds refused to draw down and the feather-bed was so meagerly filled with feathers that when sleep began to steal upon Honeybee, he awoke to find himself with his hip-bone grating against the iron frame of the bedstead. The draughts came in under the door with some force. This was not surprising when one came to examine the distance between it and the floor. The interval seemed contrived so as to admit of the carpet being drawn out of the room without opening the door. Bruised and weary, the honeybees rose next morning. It was raining very hard, as it had been all night. For breakfast they had some fried eggs and bacon. The eggs would have been all right if they had been warmed through, but honeybee said raw egg was good for the voice. The bacon would have bought its own punishment to the Jew wicked enough to indulge in it. They read novels most of the morning. Georgina and Fanny were occasionally in consultation as to some proposed alterations to address. Honeybee looked out of the window like a caged lion. Ah, oh, heavens! But why should I follow further the agonies of these wretched people? Indeed, I shrank from recording the sickening details of their week's stay. The disgusting round of impertinence, uncleanliness, stupidity, and brutality to which they were subjected is too odious to recount. Suffice it to say that never had Waterloo Villa looked so fair as when the honeybees returned to it after their holiday and Georgina literally danced round the bright clean dining-room table laid ready for dinner, while Honeybee threw himself groaning on to his bed, where he lay till aroused by the rattle of plates and dishes. My goodness, how he did eat, and how Georgina beamed! End of section 40 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. 
End of Humorous Readings and Recitations Edited by Leopold Wagner